Hey guys, before you listen to this episode, I have something exciting to share. You can now watch little things, as in I record it live from my little in-home studio. It's on the Time of Grace YouTube channel or timeofgrace.org TV, or you can go straight to the Time of Grace app. So grab your cup of coffee, sit down, and let's chat. Happy New Year, everyone. Today's episode is called Be Deliberate. That's my admonishment to you as well as me as we go into the new year. I don't want things to just sort of happen. I want to be deliberate about where my life is going and how I respond to the things that happen. And so I chose a Bible passage for this year, and I'm going to encourage you to do the same. You can share my passage. We can have the same one that's sort of guiding our way and um, pushing us towards the right path or find a new one. Find one that's just really speaking to you this year and that you want to take to heart and do whatever it is that you say, what it says. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. So my Bible passage is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and it says this. Let it let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Okay, so I'm going to break this down. If you've listened to little things for any amount of time, you already know how I do this. So first things first, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So I've made a lot of changes in the last couple of months in my life. So you may have noticed that there was a new picture for little things for the podcast and also a new picture that went up on Time of Grace on the website for me. I had those pictures taken in October and when I got the pictures back, I was sorely disappointed. (laughs) So I had known for a long time that I hadn't been taking very good care of myself. I'd been working a lot and um, I'm, a, I'm a nursing assistant and a nursing home, so I get plenty of exercise. That wasn't the thing. My diet was completely and totally out of control. So I decided that I was going to give up sugar. And what you need to know is that sugar is a drug to me. So the way some people are addicted to alcohol or cigarettes or drugs, that's how I was addicted to sugar. So I started the morning, the very first thing that I had when I got up was coffee that had cream and sugar in it. And man, I just went from there. Like no joke. My whole day I had candy, 
cookies, ice cream, love ice cream, um, more sugar in decaf coffee, more sugar in all the things that I drank. And so when I was looking at this picture of myself and thinking, you know, this isn't the way I want to look. And I was always prone to those mid-afternoon crashes. So what I would do is go to lunch and eat sugar and then crash. And then I'd eat more sugar and crash. And um, so anyway, I saw those pictures and I thought I'm not doing this anymore. I gave up sugar just just like that. Just said, no more. I'm done. If it has sugar in it, I'm not eating it. Now, still eating fruit, um, still eating things that have some added sugar, but very, very little. Like I, I eat yogurt with probiotics and it has like two grams added sugar per serving. But for the most part, you know, I'm not eating those refined sugars and stuff. Um, like two days in, I had a migraine. I was so sick from detoxing from the sugar in my life. And that's when I knew that I really needed to do this, that things had gotten way out of control. So I gave up sugar because that was not helping me to feel my best. It was definitely like a, a weight around my legs that was keeping me from running. It was keeping me from energy. It's keeping me from feeling good. I pretty much eat all whole foods, lots of protein, um, lots of vegetables, fruits. I don't worry about the sugar that's in fruits. It's not um, refined. It's not desserts. So um, feel so much better, so much better. Even so on Thanksgiving, I decided I was going to let myself have a treat and it had pumpkin pie and just felt miserable. So anyway, got rid of that. Notice that my phone was becoming way too big of a dis distraction for me. And I don't want to spend my time on my phone. So in October, I deleted TikTok, which I loved, loved TikTok and just cold turkey. Same thing. One day I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not watching these videos. I'm not wasting my time. Well, naturally, if you give up one addiction, it's super easy to just replace it with another. And it was just so simple to go right from TikTok to Facebook videos or Instagram reels or whatever. And um, as I was doing that, I was like, no, I can't. I don't want this. I don't, I don't want my life to be spent um, watching videos of other people. I want to live my life. And the other thing that I really want to do is read. And I have done more reading and I'm committed to more reading. I, I just don't, I don't want distraction. Satan is so good at just luring us. And as he does that, we're like birds caught in a trap. We're just um, lured and he wants to make us ineffective and paralyze us from doing what God would have us do. I'm learning to apologize. I'm learning to be quick to apologize. So I just did an event with a dear woman over the weekend, and um, I'm used to running the show. My personality is that I have done a lot of events over many years, and most of the time I've done them all by myself. So I was the decorating committee. I was the food committee. I was the whole committee. That, that was it. And I've recognized that that is not the wisest way to do things, nor do I have time. I just don't have time to do things like that anymore. So 
uh, got together with a couple friends and we decided to put on this event. There was a food committee, there was a decorating committee, and a couple of things didn't quite play out as I would have them play out. And I had to really check my attitude because my initial reaction was annoyance and I did not do a good job of covering that up. And so I had to realize it took me a couple minutes like, okay, Amber, this isn't the end of the world and you need to go with the flow here, change direction, figure out what we need to do here, get it done. It's not that big of a deal. And then the next day I had to apologize because I don't want to be the spoiled brat who can't work with other people. And so I told the other woman that was helping me plan things. I said, hey, I just want you to know that I wish I would have been able to immediately go with the flow instead of showing my annoyance. It all worked out. God was with us. Um, Please forgive me. And I can't wait to work with you again. So those are things that I am working on that I'm keeping in front of me. And as the days and weeks go on, there will be more. I have always, um, for the last, oh, many years, been working on my tone. I love sarcasm, unfortunately, and sarcasm hurts people's feelings. So I um, am very quick to fall into sarcasm, which is not a good thing. So I'm working on my tone working on keeping my tongue in check, and um, only by God's grace will I ever be able to do that one. I find James' uh, words that no one can tame the tongue to be very true because it seems like it's a lifelong struggle for me. Anyway, the point being that, you know, we can throw off the sin that so easily entangles. We do not have to stay in the trap. We can see the devil's schemes and get out of the sin that entangles. We can walk with God and we don't need to stay stuck. So first thing this year, find the things that are trapping you. What is slowing you down? What is causing you to stumble in your faith walk or in serving God? And what can you do about that? Okay, number two, fix your eyes on Jesus. So We're told to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, I think the best illustration of this is actually when Peter walks on the water. Because Jesus is walking to the disciples on the lake and he's going to pass them by. The disciples think that he's a ghost. And Peter says, Lord, if that is you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat. And what we're told is Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. You know how Peter saw the wind? He saw the wind because he took his eyes off of Jesus. And the same thing happens to us when we take our eyes off of Jesus and start looking at all the circumstances in our life. When I look at inflation, I get stressed out. When I come home from the grocery store and I'm like, chicken has gone up another dollar. 
Like how can the prices still keep going up? Or when I fill up my tank of gas or um, when the electricity bill comes or whatever. If I focus on inflation, I get stressed out. But if I pay the bills and I say, God, you have provided us enough to pay the bills. Thank you very much. And also, God, I know you are faithful and you will continue to provide for us. I'm not stressed out. As long as I keep my eyes on God, I don't grumble. I don't worry. I don't stress. But when I look at the circumstances, I freak out. I love the quote that says, don't tell God how big the storm is. Tell the storm how big your God is. I'd rather do that than look at the circumstances and freak out all the time. I just want to fix my eyes on God and be completely calm, knowing he's got control over everything. If he wants to still the storm, he will. If he wants to just sustain me until the storm dies down, he will. Either way, he has complete and total control. Number two, number, uh, sorry, number three. On the cross, Jesus was thinking about the joy that he would have in seeing all of us in heaven. And that is how he was able to endure the shame and the suffering of the cross. Now think about that. How are you going to endure the struggles that can't come your way this year? Because there are going to be struggles. We absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt that struggles are going to come. So what are you going to do in order to endure the struggles that come your way? Well, what did Jesus do? He looked ahead. He didn't focus on what was going on right there in terms of I'm on a cross. I'm suffering. There are people mocking me. I can't breathe. My mother is watching. My disciples are watching. The Jewish leaders are watching. He didn't do that. He focused on the joy that was coming. Now, we need to look ahead to something. If we're in the midst of a really tough struggle with our children, or if we're in a point in our marriages when the relationship is strained and it's hard, or if the finances are struggling and the money is not there, or if you're taking care of a, a parent or a sick spouse and you don't know how you're going to get through it. You need to remember that God has a plan and that it won't always be like this. There have been many, many phases of my motherhood journey that have been brutal. That I have thought, how am I going to get through this? Whether it was the potty training or the children that were struggling in school or the teen angst and the problems that were going on or, or whatever it was. There were so many times that I thought, man, God, you're going to have to help me. I don't, I don't know how to get through this. And he did over and over and over and over and over again. He did. And when I remember that this is a season I'm much more quick to just get through each hour and each day. 
if I think this is going to last forever, it's a little harder. But we know that's not the case because no matter what we go through here and now, we eventually will have heaven before us, just like Jesus. So Jesus was a wonderful example for us. You may be at the end of your life right now. There was a woman at the nursing home. She's a believer. And she asked me one day, she was on, she was put on hospice. And usually when people are put on hospice, they have approximately six months left of their life. And she asked me one day what she should expect. And I said, you know, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out for you. Typically, I said, you know, people get weaker and weaker and aren't always able to leave bed anymore. There's a a point where getting up is too painful or too hard. And then you stay in your bed and we feed you in your bed and we change you in your bed. And then eventually it, you know, breathing becomes hard or um, you're too weak to do much but sleep all the time. And then you go home to heaven. And she sat there for a little bit and she said, you know, I just don't know how to feel about this. And I said, the only way to get through this is to remember how many times God has been faithful in the past. And if he was faithful in the past, all those times, all those struggles that you went through all of your life, all the times that you didn't know how you were going to make it, if God came to your aid during those, there is no reason to think he won't be by your side now. I know death is something that we have never been through. And so it's hard for us to trust. But if that's what you're going through now, if you have a terrible diagnosis, a terminal diagnosis, if you're older and um, your life is coming to an end and you say, hey, I know it's not going to get better here. Yeah, but it is going to get better because you will eventually close your eyes here. I think I told you guys about the woman at the nursing home. She was a believer too. Um, I used to say the Lord's Prayer with her and sing to her at night. And she was fairly crippled before she died. And I was with her a little bit before she died. I was in her room. I said a prayer with her. And then she died. And I went in to wash her body and prepare her for the funeral home to come and get her. And this crippled body, after death, her arms just straightened out and her legs straightened out. And the other nursing assistant that was with me, she was not a believer. And as we straightened out her arms, I said, you know, (laughs) this is unbelievable, but this is a perfect example of what she is experiencing in heaven right now. She is completely healed. Like there is no more pain. And the other nursing assistant said, I believe it. I believe she's seeing Jesus. Like it was such an extraordinary moment to see this woman who was crippled and all hunched over and all of a sudden in death, just everything was free. It was like she was free from the bondage of sin. Just a beautiful thing. And why, 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 why do we want to run our race? Why do we want to throw off everything that hinders? Why do we want to fix our eyes on Jesus? Why do we want to think about what Jesus thought about, about what's ahead, so we don't become weary? How long does it take you to get weary? 
I mean, I can be in a great mood. I can, I can decide in my heart and mind that I am going to be enthusiastic and I'm going to be a blessing to people and nothing's going to get me down. And then someone cuts me off in traffic or the road is closed or the snow happens and I don't get to work on time. And all of a sudden, just like that, you know, all these hopes and wishes and what I have determined to do can go out the window. So the point being that we're supposed to do these things so we don't become weary because life is very wearisome. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote First Thessalonians, he said this, encourage one another and build each other up. What is, why do we need to do that? Because life is hard. So one of the things that this verse reminds me of is the importance of being with other believers. I need other believers to encourage me and I need to encourage other believers. I need to be built up because life gets me down. I have a couple of different friends that I have coffee with. I have, man, when you guys send me emails and encourage me or tell me what's going on in your life so I can encourage you, it is such a blessing to have a fellowship of believers who build one another up build each other up, encourage one another. And then, you know, the other part of that too is if we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, we really have to be in the word. There's no way to do that without being in the word. I don't know how to focus on Jesus without listening to his word. You have to be like Mary in the account of Mary and Martha, who stopped everything, sat at Jesus' feet and just listened. Like no matter what else was going on in the house. It, did, it made no difference to her because there was one place that she wanted to be and that was at Jesus' feet. So right now, ask yourself, how are you going to be in the word this year? What are you going to do? Last year, I went super slowly through the book of Proverbs, like only two to three verses a day. And I journaled them and I prayed through them. And I finally finished September 30th. And it was such a rewarding experience. And after I got done with Proverbs, I went to James, then I went to First and Second Peter. Some years I've just started in Genesis and, you know, read straight through. What do you want to study this year? In my teen Bible class, I'm going through the book of Mark. Phenomenal. I'm being reminded of so many things. In my small group, we're going still through the book of Judges. We're going to finish up in the next couple of months. But you got to be in the Word. You got to be deliberate about it. I, I can tell you one thing. We fall into bad habits. Like bad habits happen because we just don't make a point of, of doing the good habits. We don't fall into good habits. No one accidentally ends up at the gym. <laughs> Although I did end up accidentally running a couple times last year only because I went for a walk and it started to rain. And so I came home and I said, I went on an accidental run today. But that's not the point. The point is we're deliberate about the good habits, being in the word, you know, taking care of your body, getting rid of the distractions, making a point to build up those around you. Those things don't just happen. You have to be deliberate. Take my passage, choose your own, doesn't matter. But de be deliberate and walk with God this year. This has been little things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. <laughs>